it's one of our bodily functions. It's just like brain health. It's just like, you know, bone health. Sexual health is one of our pieces of health that we really have to pay attention to. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 115 of the Biohacker Babes podcast. I'm Renee from Las Vegas today, tuning in with my sister, Lauren. What's up? Tuning in from New York. City, <laughs> New York City. <laughs> and we have an amazing, amazing woman coming on today. We have Miss Dr. Amy B. Killen. She is so much fun. Oh my gosh, everyone's just going to love her, I think, as much as we do. This was a fabulous conversation. I think my abs hurt a little bit from laughing so much. <laughs> <laughs> she just makes great health topics. Like, I mean, so educational, informative, but she brings humor to it and just makes makes you just feel like a real person talking about real things. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. Absolutely. And really diving deeper into these topics that we haven't spent a lot of time on in the show. I know we started the season talking about aging, but we go into the deep depths of skin health and sexual health, the big S's, and she's a wealth of information on both. So if this is something that you are either struggling with or looking to optimize, you are going to get your answers today. And there's a lot of crossover actually between the two skin and sex. A lot of things that we can be doing from lifestyle practices to treatments, devices that have systemic benefits that affect both. And I I really appreciate that. Yeah. I love the the whole connection there, which makes sense because when you look at someone and you look at their skin, right, you can kind of tell if they are healthy on the inside and same thing with sexual health. The healthier you are, the better the sex is going to be, the better the sex is going to, the better the sex is, the healthier you're going to be, right? It just is back and forth. (laughs) It truly is cyclical, which sometimes we think of sexual health as this totally separate thing in our lives between us and our partner or us looking for a partner, but it really is a vital component of our health and longevity. And if that sounds like a new concept, she really explains it so well. She's so vibrant. If you're listening to the audio, I recommend you check out the video because she has this amazing earring in and she's just glowing. She's a beautiful, beautiful woman. And we're lucky we get to see her in person later this week. Yeah, I can't wait. Great. Let me tell you a little bit more about Dr. Amy. So Dr. Amy Killen is a leading anti-aging and regenerative physician specializing in skin and sex. After working as a board-certified emergency physician for more than seven years, Dr. Killen saw the effects of unchecked chronic disease and on her patients and decided to transition into anti-aging and longevity medicine in hopes of offering her patients alternatives to the traditional aging paradigm. An international speaker, clinical practice owner, entrepreneur, author, and frequent media guest, Dr. Killen has become an outspoken advocate for empowering people to look and feel their best by merging lifestyle modification, integrative medicine, bioidentical hormones, energy modalities, and stem cell therapies. 
After treating a number of prominent biohackers and longevity seekers, Dr. Killen and her colleague, Dr. Harry Adelson, pioneered the full body stem cell makeover, one of the most innovative regenerative procedures currently available. In her portion of the procedure, Dr. Killen combined stem cell and exosome injections with light, sound, and other energy-based therapies to give patients unparalleled synergistic regenerative effects for skin, hair, and sexual systems. Or as a recent headline in the Times London said about her, can't get no satisfaction, this woman can help. She's a doctor. (laughs) I love that. She is awesome. So you're probably going to want to go fly out and see her or at least, um, meet her in person. She's really awesome. Yeah. We need to plan a trip to Utah to go see her. Yeah. 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 I want the full body makeover. Let's go. But first we got to share all of this wonderful information with you, our audience. So here we go. Welcome Dr. Amy to the biohacker babes podcast. We're so happy to have you today. I'm so excited to be here. We have a fellow biohacker babe today. This is going to be a super fun trio. Um, I will say, uh, Dr. Amy, when I first heard you speak live, um, a couple of years ago, I was just blown away. So the fact that we have you on the show today, I'm just like, I'm kind of geeking out. I'm super excited (laughs) about this. Um, I remember when you were on stage, it was one of those moments of like, I'll have what she's having. Cause I remember your energy (laughs) was just like through the roof. Your skin is glowing. I was like, okay, I want to do everything that she's doing. So today Aww. we're going to get into, yeah, you're making me fun. blush over here. I'm getting all <laughs> warm and oh, it's wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course. So we're going to talk about skin and sex, super fun S topics today. But before we get into some like super fun biohacks, like things we can do at home, things that we can do at your office, um, we would love to talk a little bit about aging. So we know aging is a huge cause of why we have skin problems. We have sexual problems. So can you tell us a little bit more, like what is the mechanism behind aging? Like what's happening at the metabolic process, the cellular process within the body driving this? Oh, wow. That's, that's a great topic to start things off with. Um, (laughs) so then, you know, there are a number of things that cause aging, obviously there's, and there's, they have sort of these nine hallmarks of aging that people talk about, um, who are into longevity medicine and into things like, you know, like, um, like biohackers and such. Um, there's, there's a number of things. Some of the main ones are just inflammation from any different causes. Um, and that's oftentimes related to you know, food and diet and things like that. Um, also lifestyle choices that you make. Um, stem cell exhaustion is one of them. So I work uh, heavily in stem cells and, and trying to replace that stem cell exa- exhaustion piece because your stem cells get kind of tired as you get older and they stop signaling as much. So, so you don't have as much, you know, activity. So you're, you know, your, your, your stem cells in your face are not making as much collagen. Your stem cells in your vagina are not making as much, you know, uh, collagen and, and blood flow uh, secreting chemicals and such. So that's a big one as well. Mitochondrial dysfunction. Of course, people talk a lot about um, mitochondria these days. And they're the, the, the little powerhouses of our cells. And they also become dysfunctional as we get older. Um, the telomeres get shorter. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different things. A lot of it, though, is related to lifestyle and the choices we make every day, which is kind of the focus I think that most of us have is, you know, what can we do outside of our genetics to try to be healthier as we get older? Yeah, that's really awesome. So you are all about regenerative health. There is a boom, I think, in this direction. And a lot of us have heard of stem cells, but most people still have no idea what they are. Can you explain what they are, who needs them, what do they do? 
How do we get more of them? <laughs> Absolutely. So first of all, you already have a lot of stem cells. We all do. We have them all over our body and they're the cells that are responsible for the upkeep of all of our different organs and tissues. So if you get an injury or if you have a disease process that you know where, where um, you need to replace certain cells in your body, it's the stem cells that are the, they're sort of like the little reservoir of cells. They can, they can duplicate themselves and then they can also give rise to all different types of tissues. So that's sort of kind of their two claims of fame. And so we have them everywhere and they're great, but the problem is as we get older, we lose a little bit of them through time and then they just become less active, like I mentioned before. So even though you may have stem cells in your skin, they're not sending signals to your fibroblasts to make collagen or to make elastin after about the age of 25, um, which is really unfortunate. Ooh. I know, I know. <laughs> I don't want to hear right. that. <laughs> 25 and then everything starts going downhill. Um, no, not really. But but in you know, in some cases it does. And so that's the that's what we're trying to do with, with stem cells therapies or regenerative therapies, um, we're essentially trying to get your own stem cells and your own cells to become more active. And we can do that either by moving some of your stem cells from like your bone marrow or your fat to somewhere else, like your skin or your sexual organs or your hair or wherever, or we can do it by giving you growth factors from someone else, um, from someone else's stem cells or someone else's um, like amniotic fluid and things such as that. Or there's also a lot of regenerative technologies that I use a lot of as well. Things like light-based technologies, electricity-based, sound-based, you know, things essentially that will trigger some of the same type of activity without having to do a procedure. So there's a lot of different ways to use regenerative medicine to improve sexual health and skin and hair health. Is Very one cool. safer than another? Um, yeah, they're all a little bit different. I mean, the ones that are actual procedures, that the ones that were that you have to put needles in your skin, are obviously going to be a little bit more um, dangerous than if you're just putting a light on your skin, for instance. Um, but then, you know, there's also, you know, how much effect do you get? How fast is the effect? Um, there's a lot to consider. But in general, the things, all of these procedures that that are out there, and all of these technologies. Are, are pretty safe, um, especially when you compare it to other things like, you know, actual surgeries and, um, and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So curious, what, what exactly are exosomes? Cause I feel like sometimes I hear people kind of interchangeably use stem cells, exosomes, PRP. Can we do like yes. a quick breakdown before we, we dive can. into? Okay. Yes, we should. We should. <laughs> so PRP is platelet rich plasma. And that is just taking some blood from me or you, the patient, um, take your blood, we spin it in a centrifuge and we get your platelets and we just concentrate your platelets so that you have a, a bunch of platelets in a small volume of plasma. And that's platelet rich plasma. And that's been used for more than 30 years, super safe. And it can act in some of the ways that we talked about. It can trigger some of your own stem cells to become more active or can recruit stem cells to an area um, when you use PRP. So it's kind of like the lower end of the totem pole, but it works well. And then the other then stem cells we just talked about, which we can get, you know, from, for instance, your bone marrow or your fat, those are the most common ways we get them. There are other sources out there as well. Exosomes are kind of like the action arm of the stem cell. So if you have a stem cell, the way that it communicates with this other cell over here is it's going to release this little tiny bubble of information or bubbles of information. And within that, that's the exosome, within that little bubble of information, you have a messenger and microRNA, whichever your, your protein blueprints, you're going to have some other growth factors and things as well. So this little bubble will float over here to this other cell and it can be taken in by the host cell. And then that exosome can change the behavior of the host cell. So for instance, if I was to take an exosome from amniotic tissue from like birth, you know, like birth tissue or, or umbilical cord tissue, amniotic fluid, then inject that into say your skin, 
um, Renee, then your skin cells that are already there could essentially take in that exosome. And then that exosome, because it has the blueprints for protein production, could tell your skin cell to sort of increase the production of certain proteins. So it can essentially change how your stem cell is acting and make it act like a more youthful skin cell. Does that make sense? Yes, that was a great explanation. Thank you. That good, makes it so, so I have to say also, you make everything, even like topics people don't really want to talk about, like you just make <laughs> everything very accessible and understandable. Like I, I love how you break things down. So thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, same. So the exosomes really are just increasing communication, which you said earlier with aging or losing those signals. Yeah. Is it better to go to that process and skip over the stem cells? Is there a benefit to both? I know exosomes are not actually cells. So people say that there's less sort of unknowns about what could happen later on. Are they going to go rogue and, and do something bad? Yes. These are, amazing, these are amazing, amazing questions. Um, we don't really know the answers to all of them. There's a lot more research that's been done with actual stem cells just because they kind of came along first. Exosomes are so tiny. They're just like little bitty baby things. Um, so there's, and they've been around obviously for a long time, but they haven't been researched clinically for nearly as long. So it's, we, so there's not a lot of head to head studies, but the, you know, the benefits of exosomes and, and other nanoparticles, we call them like nanoparticles is like kind of a catch all for all of these little bitty things. The benefits of them is you're not getting someone else's DNA, which is, which is good. Like a lot of people think, well, people think that's good. We don't know if it is or not, but you're not. And you can get them like essentially off the shelf. Like as a physician, I can buy a vial of exosomes. I can defrost it and it's ready to go. So I don't have to do a procedure on the patient to get that, you know, to do, to get that fat or get that bone marrow. But it also hasn't been researched as much. And the FDA isn't a fan of clinicians using exosomes currently outside of um, cosmetic kind of topical applications. So they just came out a couple of months ago and said that, um, that we shouldn't be doing that, even though we had been for many years. So there's a lot of sort of regulatory stuff in this world as well that we have to make sure we pay attention to. But also so much exciting stuff coming down the pipeline. I have so a much. million skin health questions so for much. you. <laughs> so we're talking about skin health. There's probably a lot that we can do at home as far as lifestyle. And then I really want to get to these fancy treatments that you are doing, but maybe we can start with the basics of skin health. So I've noticed that my skin has aged and poor habits that I had when I was a teenager, early twenties are now showing up and I've tried all the things to get rid of like these sunspots and, you know, make my skin look a little bit more youthful. But I worry that sometimes creams, even peptides are just kind of sitting on top of my skin. So what can we do just at home before we do the fancy treatments to actually create some change? Well, first of all, your skin looks lovely. So I think you're crazy, but maybe there's all, a little filter. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. It does look like perfect. Filter, I know your skin looks perfect. Um, the, the, the main things I will say, first of all, sunblock is really important for your skin. I know that there's a lot of, um, debate kind of, especially in like the sort of biohacker world about whether or not sunblock is a good thing, but, we I, need will, sun. Yeah. but I will tell you that that photo aging, aging from the, from UV lights is the number one cause of skin damage outside of genetics. Um, so if you want to protect your, your moneymaker here, your face and your neck and the backs of your hands and the things that are really going to get a lot of sun 
then you need to be putting on sunblock every day. Sunblock is uh, is going to be something like a mineral mineral sunblock, um, you know, nanoparticles or just a topical zinc uh, oxide, titanium dioxide product is great. You don't have to put the chemical sunscreen on if you're not comfortable with that. That's totally that's a different product. But sunblocks are, are generally very safe, and you should put them on every single day before you do anything, even drive your car. Um, so that's number one. And then, you know, if you want to get sun elsewhere, go for it. Like go outside naked, but cover up your face. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I will yeah. say the hand, the hand thing too. Like I, I'm really good. I always have sunscreen or sunblock on my face because of what yeah. you just said, but I'm not good about my hands. And maybe like five Me years either. ago, I was talking with a fellow friend and uh, a friend of a friend and we were playing a game. I was like, how old do you think I am? Cause I, I tend to look younger than I am. And he guessed my age to the year. I said, oh. how did you do that? He says the backs of your hands. Yes. That's how he knew my age. I was like, oh my gosh. So yeah, I definitely need to be better about it. <laughs> I'm looking at my hands right now. Yeah. And also the chest, the chest is a big one too. And I'm not good. I have a lot of like yes. sort of sunspots on my chest now because for years I just didn't think about it. And I was always a tank top like I am today. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on there? So you know, yeah. those, those things we got to like, you know, you got to put some sunblock on. So that's the first thing. I'm also a big fan when it comes to skin products. I'm a big fan of antioxidants, um, especially like in the mornings, you know, so like vitamin C, vitamin E, resveratrol topically, um, NAD topically, like a lot of the, uh, mm, a lot cool. of those, a lot of the um, antioxidants because oxidative damage is, is where, you know, we're getting that from the sun. So we want to kind of try to combat that throughout the day. And then for nighttime, a good retinoid really can't be beat. And, and again, there's some debate out there, but I will say that it's been well studied and retinoids are for most people very safe. Um, a ret- retinoids, you know, retinols are a type of retinoid that you can get over the counter and then retinoids and treatinoids are it's kind of a physician class, clinical grade retinoid, but you mm. can still get those. So I why, would, you know, why are some people off. against that? What? There are some animal studies um, that have shown a, a slight increased risk of, I think of cancers in the skin when you put on ridiculous doses of some of these okay. things, but you have to keep in mind with any of these studies, especially, you know, in animals uh, for any, it's such that, that you're looking at the, the dose of everything is really important. So everything is a toxin at some dose. Um, water is a toxin at some dose, uh, you know, every single thing. And so to the people who used to talk about toxins, it, they kind of make me, it makes me a little bit crazy because I'm like, okay, Okay, toxin at what dose? Is it a toxin at the dose that we're using every day? Is it a toxin at a dose that's 5,000 times that we're using every day? Because it makes it, it does matter because everything's a toxin. So that was that there's some very, mm-hmm. uh, very occasional studies in animals, but you know, retinoids have been studied in thousands of human studies and have been shown to be safe. Great. Thank that's you. interesting because on your site, you list Botox and, and like treatments as toxins which I'm sure for some people will be like, oh my gosh, what is that? but it is a toxin. It's just the dose. Right. Well, Botox, and that's, that's a good point because Botox is, you know, we call it a neurotoxin and it is an actual, like that's the category of drug it is, is a neurotoxin. So in that case, I would say that calling it a toxin makes sense, but I'm not sure it makes sense to call like, you know, certain types of foods, toxins or certain chemicals and things like that toxins, unless you're talking about what's the dose. Right. Right. That makes sense. Okay. So we got sunblock, we got our antioxidants, retinoid, anything else we should be doing Uh, at home? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Obviously uh, taking good care of yourself, you know, 
eating healthy diets, eating a lot of good uh, vegetables and fruits and things that have antioxidants in there um, is going to be really beneficial. And you want to make sure, you know, just like with anything else, you want to encourage a good blood flow. So you want to make sure you're eating uh, diets that are anti-inflammatory that are not going to result in you getting atherosclerosis because atherosclerosis, you know, plaque in your blood vessels, that's going to cause decreased blood flow everywhere. And your skin is an organ. So if you don't want to have like, you know, dusty looking skin, you have to get good blood flow to your skin. So that's going to, you know, all the lifestyle stuff that goes with that. And then also I think diets high in nitrates can be really helpful for skin, just like they can for sexual function. Nitrates, uh, specifically the kind that we find in fruits and vegetables. So things like green leafy vegetables, beets, citrus, pomegranate, things like that, that are high in nitrates, uh, that's going to get converted into nitric oxide, which I love talking about. And that's going to be basically be increasing your blood flow so, so, you know, to your skin, to your sexual organs, to basically everywhere in your body. Um, and we lose our nitric oxide as we old, get older. And so that's something that, again, after the age of like 25, 30, our levels start to go really far down. And so we want to continuously be thinking, how do I increase my nitric oxide? And diet is one way. Exercise is another way. Um, getting a little bit of sunlight is another thing you can do. And then other things like hyperbaric oxygen, PEMF, and then some of these kind of red light therapy, sort of these newfangled technologies, you could increase nitric oxide that way, which is great for skin and great for sexual function as well. Yeah. I like the systemic effects. Hey, biohackers, a brief interruption to talk to you about the incredible benefits of red light therapy. You may have noticed that Renee and I post a lot of photos and videos that are overwhelmingly red in the background. That is because we are true believers in the healing powers of the visible light spectrum. And usually that is red light, but there are so many colors that we can benefit from simply standing in front of light can activate your body's many systems to work more optimally for better overall health. Light therapy, also called photobiomodulation, is beneficial to metabolism. It can help with healthy weight maintenance. Researchers actually believe that light therapy affects cells that store fat by reducing specific proteins associated with glucose intolerance, insulin resistance, and high triglyceride levels. It's excellent for pain reduction and supporting the inflammatory process and often associated poor circulation. There are certain light waves that can reverse the effects of aging on our skin, as well as heal and repair other areas of our body, such as our brain, our muscles, our gut, even wounds and injuries. I have personally found that healing from challenging workouts or even acute injuries from performing is much faster and much more efficient with red light. Light therapy is truly helpful for so many conditions ranging from weekend warriors with back tightness to those suffering from autoimmune diseases or those suffering from depression. The benefits really are endless. We had owner and founder of Lightpath LED, Scott Kennedy, on the Biohacker Babes podcast. And my biggest takeaway from that interview, he said, light therapy only does one thing, but it does it very, very well. It focuses on the cells, the mitochondria, and helps the cells to create more energy that our body needs to thrive every day. Essentially, we're kickstarting the process of healing. Everything's going to work better with this light exposure. Renee and I have found tremendous benefit in our daily lives and in our quest for energy optimization. So we feel very passionate about sharing this amazing device with you. 
If you want to learn more, check out our interview with Scott in season two, episode 66, and then head over to Lightpath LED to take advantage of our 10% off discount with code biohackerbabes. Again, that's lightpathled.com. The code is biohackerbabes that will save you 10%. He has so many amazing devices. My personal favorite and the one I'm currently using is the red plus near infrared tabletop device. The best part, Scott is his own best customer service. When you purchase a device, he is going to call you personally and explain everything that you need to know from setup all the way to finish to make sure that you are having the best experience possible. We hope that you can bring red light into your home as well and experience these amazing benefits and you too can light up your home with red light. (laughs) Let's get back to the show. So anything else, we love free hacks or free tests at home. How do we know if this stuff is working, any topicals, and maybe we can transition into the treatments like ozone, PRP, laser. How do we know if it's working or how do we know that these, the stuff is actually getting into our skin and making a change? You don't know that if it's getting into your skin, but most topicals, I mean, in theory, if they're a topical, they should hopefully are formulated to actually get past your skin barrier. Although interestingly enough, some topicals don't get past the skin barrier, but they still provide signaling into into the deeper layer to the skin and can still create change, which is interesting. I think some of these, some topicals Mm -hmm. that don't actually get absorbed all the way can still can still create positive benefits. But as far as how you know, I mean, I think that the probably the easiest way is we're all, all taking pictures of ourselves all the time at this point. Just get, you know, do some photo, like do some like planned photos, you know, at the same place in your room, preferably without any external light. Like it's best to go into like a closet or somewhere where you can set up a light and not have like anything else going on, like a photo booth kind of thing. And, and just take pictures, take a picture beforehand, take a picture at one month, take a picture at three months, six months, you know, with skin, it takes several months usually to see any changes. You're not generally going to see like huge improvements in two weeks. And if they, if someone says you are, then they're probably lying to you, but at two or three months, you should see some changes. So if you're documenting that sort of very rigorously, then you should be able to see that um, in those pictures. That's good. I love a before and after. (laughs) I've seen some, I think mostly male biohackers where they do half uh, they left side of their face, they try one thing and right side, they try the yep. other thing. Yeah. You can do that. You know, I suggest <laughs> using your hands for that one. So you, I like that wanna, better. I've done it in my hands because yeah. you know, your face, like if you saw a big difference, you'd be like, what the heck? Like this side like two face. <laughs> yeah. I had to walk around like this, <laughs> but your hands, this. the hands are easy to do. Like a, we call it a split test. So you could do one side yeah. with one product and the other one, no product and see what happens after a few months. Cool. That's, like that's that. a better idea. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of what Lauren said, like if it's just sitting on the surface, um, I, I believe you're a fan of the derma roller. Mm-hmm. Is that something that most people should be doing at home? Yeah, I love derma rolling. I think it's I think it's a great tool. A derma rolling, you, you know, at home you probably don't want to go more than about 0.5 millimeters deep. So you can get a 0.25, you can get a 0.5. Deeper than that, it's going to hurt, A. And B, you may start to draw blood, which we don't encourage you to do at home. But a 0.5, you're just going to get kind of a little pinkness of your skin. Um, It hurts a little bit, but it's not generally that bad. And I like to do, I like to encourage them rolling about one to two times a week. 
if it's something in that less than 0.5 range. It's a great way to induce collagen production on its own. So increasing collagen and elastin just from the mechanical trauma, uh, sort of micro trauma of the needles. And then the other thing is you're, cre you're creating these little channels that then when you apply your, your favorite serum on top of it, then you're getting better absorption. So I think it does work really well for skin. It also works well for hair. If you're trying to regrow hair, um, if it, you use a stamper or a roller and then apply your topical um, formulations, whether that's like minoxidil, or a peptide blend or whatever it is you're applying topically, studies have shown that if you can do that with a derma roller occasionally, you'll get better absorption and better results. So okay. the idea is that you're creating micro trauma to open up the skin so it can receive? You're better? actually creating like little tiny channels. Like you're creating like little tiny holes, um, little channels in the skin where the needles were. And that's, you know, going, those, those holes go down into the dermis or just right above the dermis. So yeah, so you're essentially getting past the skin barrier. The skin barrier is what stops a lot of, uh, of ingredients from getting into the skin into deeper layers. So you're kind of getting past that and, and able to absorb things better that way. Cool. And I've heard with some of those derma rollers, you can get like Sephora, Amazon, the cheaper ones are maybe not creating the right kind of trauma because they're, it's like the cross pattern is not ideal. What's your opinion on that? I don't know if it was another expert because they wanted someone to come into their office or I think if what's your going, opinion? If you're going with anything very deep, like if you're going to be doing one millimeter, one and a half, two millimeter, then it's better to use just a, a micro needling device, which you would get in a, you'd do in a clinic. Um, but you're going to want to be in a clinic for that anyway, because that's going to hurt. You're going to need to have topical numbing put on and you're going to want to have someone who knows what they're doing. And those needles are going to go straight up and down. With the derma roller, the needles are kind of coming at a couple of different angles. But if you're only going, you know, 0.25 or 0.5 millimeters deep, I don't think it really matters that much. Okay. But I do think that if you're going to go very deep, then it makes sense to go with, do have a, have a professional do it and, and do it at the proper, you know, depth. Yeah. I'm yeah. doing a, a three pack of microneedling right now. I've done two sessions. I have one last one. I'm not sure if I see any difference yet, but I'm hopeful. We'll see. I'm trying to be I patient. Love, I love microneedling. It's a great kind of upkeep tool too. Like it, it may not be something that you see. I mean, you, you should see some brightening of your skin, but you may not see like huge improvements, but if you do it, you know, three times a year or something, do, do some microneedling treatments. I, I think it's a great way to kind of just keep your collagen production going over time. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. So what else, so what other up. fancy treatments <laughs> do you suggest? Well, as far as, I mean, fancy treatments, there's tons of things you can do in your doctor's office, um, which is a whole, like, it's a whole thing. Like, you know, there's obviously lasers, there's, there's microneedling, there's regenerative injections, which is whether anything from stem cells and exosomes to PRP, there's thousands of different things you can do. And it's really very dependent on what your, you know, what your concern is, what your age is, you know, what your, what your skin type is. Like a lot of that matters uh, in, in sort of directing to the best treatment. I think that for that, you really, the best thing you could do is go into your doctor, whether it's a dermatologist, plastic surgeon, or someone like me who does a lot of regenerative stuff and just kind of talk to them and see what they, what they have, what they recommend, because everyone is so different. It's hard to make general recommendations. Yeah, that makes That's sense. Great. So if someone comes out to your office, you would obviously have like a whole intake, figure out the best, best route. That makes so sense. We have, I have two different clinics here. I have one where we just do stem cell procedures. And so when people come to, for that, to that office, we're generally doing these big cases where we're doing 
like stem cell injections of all of their joints, their skin, their scalp, their sexual, or it's like a whole thing over like a three hour period, but it's all stem cells and exosomes. And then I have another office that's a, a sort of has more um, aesthetic offerings where we have estheticians and, and nurse injectors. And we do, you know, we do Botox and fillers and we do lasers and we do microneedling and PR, but we do kind of all the different sort of aesthetic things there. Um, so it kind of depends on what someone's coming to see me for and, and kind of where they go. You're like full body makeover versus a la carte. Yeah. What do you want today? Exactly. I love it. Oh, that's so, so fun. I need to plan a trip up to see you. You're not you too should. far from me. You should. Yeah. Fix me up. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, that's great skin tips. So let's move to sex. Go to the other sex. <laughs> so There's definitely some similarities. The other big S. <laughs> yeah. Um, gosh, where do we begin? I think let's just tie like sexual health. What? Why is that so important for longevity, overall health? Like what's the connection there? You know, it's, it's, I love talking about sexual health because I do think that it ties in so well to kind of all of the other sort of six components of health. Like when we talk about health, we talk about physical health, but then there's also emotional health, um, mental health, spiritual health, social health, and environmental health. And, and sexual health really, it, 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 gets information from all of those areas of health as far as whether or not you have good sexual health depends on everything else being healthy. And then also when you, when you are sexually healthy and sexually happy, it tends to kind of feed back into all those areas of health, maybe not into the environment, but everything else, like it, it can benefit. So, you know, we know that as far as, um, physical benefits, people who are sexually active, um, which they, which tends to be one to two times a week, um, having sex with or without a partner depends on what study you are looking at. Most of the studies that have been done have been with a partner just because that's when, what's been looked at, but one to two, two times a week, the people who have sex are generally have, they have lower blood pressure. Um, it helps with pain. There's a, it's some interesting migraine story, you know, studies where people who have a lot of migraine pain, if they become sexually active, they don't have as much migraine pain. And that's been shown in different types of pain as well. So it's this, it's an interesting um, pain relief mechanism. Same with stress relief, of course, it makes sense that it would decrease stress. Um, it also helps with a lot with mental, emotional stuff with, you know, it helps decrease depression, it helps with anxiety, it helps with, you know, self-confidence and body image and things like that. There's tie-ins with cognitive health. In older adults, the ones who are sexually, sexually active have less cognitive decline as they get older. Um, they have better memory as they get older. And some of the stuff is correlation. Some of this is, you know, people who are healthier tend to be more sexually active. Therefore, they're probably going to have better memory. Um, so we can't necessarily say it's the sex that did it, but it is at least correlated with some of these, these other parameters of health. And there was a big study, um, it was a big Welsh study, I believe, where they looked at a bunch of men with uh, over the, over a 10 year time period. And they tried to kind of kind of age match and disease match these two groups. And the men who had sex one to two times a, a week had a 50% reduction in 10 year mortality. Um, and again, part of that may just be because sex is active and you're doing physical activity and there's other, you know, you have a social partner and all of this, but, um, but I do think that it's important at least to give people, if they want to, if people want to be sexually active, to give them the tools to, to do that in a way that is, you know, that, may, that works for them. That's kind of my goal, not to, not to force everyone right. to like have sex all the time, but if they want to, if you want to, then let's just make it possible for you. Yeah. yeah, maybe not with the goal of just pleasing your partner, pleasing the other person, but actually seeing that it could have systemic effects for your own health. I think that's yeah, really cool. absolutely. Powerful. 
I think that I think that thinking of it as something that is, you know, it's like exercise, it's like a good diet. It's not necessarily something that you have to do, but if you are doing it and, it, and you enjoy it, then it probably has some benefits outside of just that moment. Yeah. Right. So going back to the pain reduction, is that mostly contributing to blood flow, circulation, I'm assuming maybe some nitric oxide, which you mentioned earlier, what else is going on there? Yeah, I'm not sure what the mechanism is. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of hormones that are released during, uh, and neurotransmitters that are released during sex, like serotonin and dopamine and, and oxytocin. And, and some of those have certainly direct tie-ins with, uh, with pain. So it may be a, a neurotransmitter hormone thing. Um, it may just be a distraction. You know, we know that when you have pain, if you, yeah. if you use a, you know, vibration somewhere else in the body, for instance, that can help you forget that your face is getting injected. Um, so there's, there's <laughs> things like that, that we can just be distracting from the pain. But, but I think it's, I think it's fascinating that you can actually decrease your pain by having sex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe skip the Tylenol. Right. That's on the prescription. Else. <laughs> Tylenol could be your second line. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, why not? Doctors should prescribe lifestyle stuff before medication. So yes, hopefully a doctor is telling you to go home and have more sex and not just I, I hope so. I hope so. I don't, it's funny because a lot of doctors don't really talk about the subject and a lot of patients aren't super comfortable. Um, you know, when I have people come initially, now that I've been, I've been speaking about this for a number of years and so people kind of come to expect it of me. But when I first started talking about this, you know, a lot of my patients were very hesitant and nervous and, and they would, sure. come in and I would ask them, you know, to ask them questions, how's your sex life? How's your this? And they'd be like, Oh, it's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's good. And then I went to kind of drill down further. Like I'd be like, well, are, you know, are, are your, do your orgasms feel the same that they used to, or your, are your erections as strong as they used to, whatever. And they would like realize that I wasn't just going to let up on them. And then they would start opening up and being like, oh, well, yeah, actually I, it hasn't been good for 10 years. I just haven't talked about it, you know, because no one wants to listen and what, what can you do about it anyway? So I think creating a dialogue around the subject, um, for me, it's super fun because I think it's, it's something that people just don't, they don't really do, but once patients kind of start that conversation that they realize that they, it is important and they do want to talk about it. Yeah. yeah it goes in that category of taboo or just uncomfortable. I find the same with clients. You ask them about digestion or their bathroom habits. Oh, fine, fine, fine. And you're like, really, really? <laughs> but they haven't gone to the bathroom in a week, but right. they're fine. Yeah. And then once they start trusting yeah. you, they're like, I can't wait to tell you about my number two. You're like, okay. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. I'll go. To, I'll be at conferences and I'll, you know, I'll give a talk about, you know, sexual optimization or something. And then it's every single time afterwards, I'll have just random people coming up to me, like in the middle of the conference room, not like anywhere private. And they'll just start telling me their entire sexual history, like oh right gosh. there. And I'm, I'm always like, do you want to like give, you know, should we do a phone consult? I mean, it's, I don't care, but I just don't know yeah. if you want to be doing this right here. But, um, you know, it's to me, it just makes, it makes me happy. At least they feel comfortable with it all. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Love it. I love the open dialogue. It's so great. Yeah. I think a lot of people are struggling with this. And like you said, they're not talking about it. So what are some things that we can do at home? I guess men and women, if they're struggling. Yeah. Well, some of the same things start with the things we talk about with, with skin. I mean, a lot of it's lifestyle, a lot of it's, you know, exercising. We know it's good for sexual function. Diet is really important, like low inflammation, um, especially for, for, for both sexes, but especially for men, you know, that number one cause of erectile dysfunction, or at least the number two cause is lack of blood flow. So making sure that you are, are really leading sort of a low inflammatory lifestyle. So you're not getting atherosclerosis. It's important for both sexes. And then the nitric oxide is super important for sexual function, because that's something that 
um, it's one of the key reasons why why men have ED as they get older is they just lose the they lose their own body's nitric oxide and medications like Viagra you know they work by essentially keeping your nitric oxide around longer so it's a drug that makes you that keeps your nitric oxide around longer so that you have erections for longer but if you don't have nitric oxide to begin with because you're older and haven't been doing the things that you should be doing to increase it, then, then the drug doesn't work for you because you don't have any nitric oxide to begin with to keep around longer. So mm. that's, one of the, that's one of the reasons that um, people fail um, Viagra is they just don't have nitric oxide to begin with. So that's something that's mm. easy to do. There's should also- most people just take a nitric oxide supplement after a certain age? I would recommend at least testing levels. You can do salivary uh, nitric oxide tests, which you can get like on Amazon for free. And, you know, you can, you can get nitric oxide from your, from your food. You can get it from your activities, but it does become more difficult as you get older because over the age of 40 or 45, when you start developing um, dysfunction inside your blood vessels, so that the cells that line your blood vessels, those endothelial cells, we call them, when they become, they start to become dysfunctional as you get older, more so again, if you're not leading a healthy life. And when that happens, you lose the ability to make about half as half of your nitric oxide. So half of it's made inside your blood vessels. And so if you don't have that ability, then all of a sudden you have to get it from food versus some of the other things you can get it from. So I think testing is really easy. You could do that. And then if your levels are low, then start thinking about things you could do to increase levels, you know, whether it's diet, whether it's getting rid of your, uh, your mouthwash. A lot of people are using antiseptic mouthwash, which is going to kill the bacteria in your mouth that are necessary to make nitric oxide from food. Um, so that's an easy thing you can do, either get rid of it or just use it, you know, once a week or something. And that may be helpful as well. Yeah. Our, our dad, who is a biological dentist, is going to love you for saying that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yes. Good. Watch out for the mouthwash. Yeah. It is. It's so bad for you. Also, also bad in that same regard are the acid blocking medications. So things like, mm. um, especially the proton pump inhibitors, like pro, like um, protonics and things like that, but which are prescriptions, but people get prescribed them because they, you know, they had a stomach ulcer or stomach pain or something. And they were really only meant to be prescribed for a few weeks. Uh, but people stay on them for years and years and years and years, and they markedly affect your ability to make nitric oxide, which is probably why there's a, about a 30% increased risk of, um, of heart attacks and heart disease in people who are taking those medications because they're not, they don't have the nitric oxide. It's at least one of the reasons. And so it's just one of those things like you, you should not take those medications for very long if you could avoid it. Ooh, yeah. You don't hear most doctors talking about that. Yeah. Well, you know, I was a, I was an ER doctor for 10 years first, and I used to prescribe those medications like candy. I mean, between that and pain medicines, like it was like the, the PPIs, which are the acid blockers and, you know, and pain medicines. And, you know, you're just writing prescriptions all day long and you're sending people out with them and saying, you know, go see your primary care doctor. And then their doctor, once they get them is like, oh, you're, you're on protonics, we'll just keep you on it. If it's working for you, we'll keep you on it. And no one really goes through the medicines and says, you know what, that was five years ago. You probably don't need this anymore because it's also doing this to you. Um, So I do think, you know, I think traditional medicine is, it's great. um, But I think that we just have to make sure we're not abusing it um, because it can be bad also. Yeah. Or just reassessing because our health is constantly changing. Totally. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Hey, biohackers, Renee here. Just a brief interruption in today's episode to tell you about one of our favorite ways to analyze our genes. Self-Decode is a personalized health report service, which enables users to obtain detailed information and reports based on their genome. This allows us to review different genetic variants that may predispose us to certain health conditions. 
Self-Decode does a great job breaking down different concerns into what they call wellness reports, such as nutrition, autoimmune conditions, weight loss, mood support, sleep support, exercise, and more. It not only gives you a breakdown of your genetics, but it also gives you personalized nutrition and lifestyle recommendations for you to follow. So it makes this somewhat overwhelming topic very tangible. For example, I've learned that I need to keep my daily calories from saturated fat to less than 7%. So back when I was eating a ton of butter and coconut oil and bacon, which are all great healthy foods, I was actually working against my genes, but someone else might do great on a high saturated fat diet. So unless you test, you'll never know. So we highly recommend self-decode to really take a deep dive into what could set you up for a great personalized health plan. If you're curious to learn more, head over to selfdecode.com and remember to use code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 10%. We will share this link and discount code in the show notes for today's episode. All right, let's get back to the show. Okay, so lots of diet lifestyle things we can do, nitric oxide, any fun gadgets or anything we can do at home? Oh, there's so many fun gadgets. So many. <laughs> Tell us. Um, okay. So for women, I love, there is an over-the-counter, uh, wellness device. It's not a prescription device called VFit, And I don't work for any of these companies, um, called VFit or VFit plus that's a vaginal, uh, red light therapy device. And it's, it's really fun. It can, inc- it increases blood flow. It's, you know, increases sensation. A lot of people say it increases, um, just pleasure and such, but basically it just goes in, it's 12 minutes at a time. It feels kind of like a hot stone massage for your vagina. It's, it's very relaxing. It's quite nice. Um, I recommend you get your red light therapy thing for your face um, or your body, whatever you're going to do. And then you have your red light therapy device for your vagina. And then you close and lock your bedroom door. You put on some like waterfall sounds and you just lay there <laughs> for 12 minutes, um, three times a week. It's fantastic. Oh, I love it. It's a great therapy <laughs> session. Yeah. It's so good. I love that you said lock your door. Yeah. Lock your, well, I have three kids, so lock your door. So there's, there's that one. There's, um, there's some intravaginal, um, tens units, which can be really helpful for increasing the, the strength of the pelvic floor muscles. So devices like the intensity device or apex device are two of them. Um, where essentially it's just like, you know, it's like a tens therapy, like the, where it stimulates your muscles and causes muscle contraction. Um, but it's inside of you. And so it's a little bit more intense. Like it's not necessarily like a relaxation session because you can feel those muscles like, you know, contracting. Um, but it can be really helpful for, for contracting those pelvic floor muscles. Um, there are also a number of devices that are like gamified Kegels devices that are apps that are out there now that you might've seen that are basically devices that you, you put inside and then it, <laughs> and then it tells you kind of how you're doing. It's like, fro- you know, playing Frogger with your vagina. Um, and so those are kind of fun too. There's, there's a whole bunch of different ones. If you, if you Google gamified Kegel devices, you'll see like a whole list of those. And so those are good awesome. as well. Those are some of my favorite. Of for, and then obviously course, if, you have, that's if, you have, if you have real problems, go see a, a pelvic floor physical therapist, go see a gynecologist, like don't just go out and take my advice. But if you've tried that and, okay. and you're just going to play a little bit, there's some fun stuff out there. Yeah. Would you recommend starting there? Just seeing if you can, I don't know. Yeah. I think optimize at home. If your problems are, if you have pretty mild issues, then I think that it's, it's worth uh, doing some of your, this, your own things. Obviously, if you have anything pretty severe or you have any pain, um, then I would go see your doctor first and get an assessment. Okay. Very cool. I, I would imagine those are probably good for incontinence as well. Yeah, exactly. So that's what a lot of those, a lot of those sort of gamified Kegels and, and intensity device, um, the stress area incontinence is kind of what they're 
really triggering. It's that you know mild to moderate um, incontinence where you, you cough or sneeze or jump and, and that's where you have a little bit of urine leakage. And that's obviously super common in, in women and, and also somewhat common in men as well. Um, but if we can just strengthen those pelvic floor muscles, it can sometimes make that much better. Yeah, great. What are some of the most common complaints that women have other than that? Um, so other things I hear just like, you know, lack of sensation with aging or lack of, uh, trouble reaching orgasm with aging. Um, most of the things I treat are aging related. So I'm not an OBGYN or urologist, so I'm not, I'm not treating specific disease processes or structural, you know, if you have some kind of structural damage or, um, or even like sexual trauma, things like that. I'm really treating, you know, just changes with a changes in your body that happen with aging that are very common. So things like lack of lubrication, lack of vaginal tone, you know, lack of pleasure, lack of um, orgasm uh, abilities, uh, things like that, that are just kind of things that happen. It's kind of slowly as we get older sometimes. And then all of a sudden you hit a point, you're like, wait a second, this is not what it used to be like 10 years ago. And then you kind of come in and get treated. Gotcha. Nice. So we talked about some women's devices. What about the men? We do have some male listeners. Oh, hello, men. Um, yes, there's <laughs> lots of good stuff for men. So one of the things, especially so for men, uh, one of the things I really like is, is actually a penis pump, which you you may have seen before, and I've kind of gotten a bad rap, but penis pumps like a vacuum pump, which basically is going to just pull, uh, pull blood into the penis and you use it for 10 or 20 minutes at a time can be really helpful for men, especially in men who are no longer having, um, nocturnal erections. So if you're not waking up with, with, you know, with uh, erections in the morning, then, or, you know, occasionally at least, then you're probably not having erections while you're sleeping. And because that's such an important part of male sexual health is getting all that blood into the penis and getting all that oxygen into the penis, doing pumping, penis pumping can kind of be used to take the place of those nocturnal erections to help make sure you're getting that good blood flow and oxygen to the penis. Because the penis is not like other places in your body where you could just go do a workout at the gym and you're going to get a big, you know, big bunch of blood and it's going to be super healthy. It really does need, you really have to get like an erection or something like it to get blood into that, um, that whole thing to really keep those cells in there healthy. So I like a penis pump. Um, there's all different types. There's manual pumps, there's digital pumps, there's water pumps. There's like, I mean, there's like a whole bunch, but basically their idea is the same for all of those. Those are great. And then the other thing that you can do at home is there's some home shockwave therapy machines that are out there now. Um, the Phoenix uh, makes one of those. And they basically are using low intensity um, shockwave therapy, which is like, it's like sound, high pressure sound waves. And their, their device is like, it's like a rocket, shaped like a rocket. And you basically, it's, it sounds like a jackhammer, honestly, but you apply it to the penis and it's increasing. It causes a little bit of microtrauma. It increases blood vessel formation to the penis over time, stem cell recruitment, nitric oxide release. And that is kind of those, those home devices are just, have just been around the last year or so. Um, but it's based on a technology that we've been using in the office for the last five years or so to treat men with ED. Yeah. And that's like Jane's sure. wave. So yeah, Gainswave is like the office device. So Gainswave is the office protocol. It's not really a device. It's like the protocol that we've been using in the okay. office where you come in and we do a you know, 20, 30 minute shockwave therapy treatment twice a week for three weeks. And then that's your, that's kind of what you, that's your protocol. You can repeat it and such, but then some people wanted to have a device for home as well, um, especially for after finishing the in-office treatment. And so that's where devices like the Phoenix come in where you can take them home. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, um, I know the guys behind it, but I don't have anything to do with making those devices. So if it's not, you know, not something that I'm necessarily attesting to, but I know patients who've had some benefit from them. Yeah. Our 
dad who has all the toys does have this at home and it does sound like a jackhammer <laughs> and it can be used for other things. When I go home, I've, I've used it on like my shoulder pain. I've used it on other places that need some more blood flow and just need a little bit of stimulation, but it sounds insane. It's so loud. It's so yeah. loud. I'm actually working with a company right now um, that is, um, it's going to come out pretty soon with a device. It's a bioelectric device for ED. That's actually going to be, I think, pretty amazing. I'm doing some clinical trials in my office, but it's essentially just using electricity to specifically increase specific protein production. So essentially they found the signals that can increase this protein or that protein. And then they put it all together in a protocol where they can increase, you know, start with the proteins that increase stem cell homing. And then the ones that can increase nerve regeneration, then the ones that can increase muscle regeneration, then artery formation, then longevity. And you do it all in sort of in a, a totally painless, totally quiet, thing that takes, you know, that takes about 45 minutes and we do it a few times a week. So that's something that's coming and there'll, there'll eventually be some home models for that as well. Once we've gone through clinical testing for that. That's really exciting. Yeah. So, so tell your dad, yeah. tell your dad to hold on tight and we'll have something that's not quite as loud here pretty soon. I'm sure he'll be the first to buy it. He is like <laughs> the most curious about all the biohacking stuff. And I just think that's so cool. There's so much technology, but this next wave of making it specific, whether it's through specific frequencies or yeah. just making it more accessible with the home device. Like I think the V fit goes with an app so you can track. It does like, now. Yeah. All they, they apps just have a, a new app. Yeah. I know. I just got the, I haven't actually used it yet, but I just got the lioness. Have you guys heard about the lioness, which is, no. it's, a, it's a female, it's a vibrator, um, slash, um, orgasm tracker. And I was on the wait list for like a year for this thing and I just got it. So I haven't had a chance to use it, but essentially like it, you, you put it in and you, you know, it does its thing. And then it, it tracks like how strong your orgasm was, um, how long it lasted. And essentially you can kind of keep track of like, you know, what, what was I doing yesterday that made this better or worse? And, you know, how's my stress affecting it? How's my diet affecting it? I mean, it's, you know, you can essentially track oh, all that wow. stuff. If you yeah. To, just like a biohacker would. Yeah, exactly. You get your own Excel document going and you can put it all in there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. How do you spell that? Is it like lion S? Yeah. It's L I O N E S S I believe. Okay. Cool to look at uh, the quantification never ends. So cool. Exactly. Yeah. So with yeah. all of these devices, how do we, do you have any tips on kind of taking the stigma away making sure that your partner doesn't think you're crazy or, you know, how do we really relay the benefits so we can just make this normal? Yeah. I think household? talking about it as something that is, uh, it's about health and it's about, you know, obviously there's, there's the, the happiness component, there's the joy and the fun component as well. And I think that that's also equally important, but I think that just talking about the fact that, that, that sexual health is, it's one of our, our bodily functions. It's just like brain health. It's just like, you know, bone health, sexual health is one of our pieces of health that we really have to pay attention to. And I think every, you know, every relationship is different and every, um, you know, every partner is different. So it just depends on the person, but you know, for my, my poor husband, I started coming home with like stacks of, of penis pumps, you know, from my office. What are you trying to say? Yeah. I got to get all these deliveries to me, like just random things. Like he'd be like, um, why is there a new box of vibrators over here? I'm like, they're medical devices. Um, and so it's for work. It's research. Research. It's research, dear. But and I, and I make him like try things out, and he'd be like, "No, I don't. I'm not your. I'm not your patient." But he still does anyway because he's nice. But um, you know, it's just a. I think it's just a matter of making it something kind of fun. That you know, when I talk to people, when I do presentations, I try to make this much a, more of a fun subject than 
like a taboo subject because it's, you know, every single person in the world potentially is, is doing this um, at some point. And so why are we so nervous about talking about it? I do love that about you. When I heard you speak, I was virtual biohacking Congress, but you did, you made it so much fun. Just like Renee said, and, and Susan Bratton, who also is in this field, you you both just like bring so much (laughs) joy to it. I think it's all in the presentation, all these health topics, we can sit here and be really scientific and dry, but it's like, we can't take ourselves too seriously. And this is our vitality. So why would we not inject some joy into it? So I appreciate your approach very much. Thank you. (laughs) All right. So we do all the things at home. And then what if someone wants to come and see you? What are some of the options there? So in the office, a couple of different options. There are, for, for women, there are vaginal lasers. There are vaginal like radio frequency devices where essentially we're using heat or light to, um, to stimulate the vaginal tissue to be healthier. So, you know, oftentimes it's going to be two or three treatments over the course of a month. If you're doing like a vaginal laser, um, that can be a CO2 laser like you do for your face, only for your vagina. There's also other ones. The one I have in my office right now is using, um, it's just an infrared light laser. It's not causing a lot of damage. It's non-ablative, so it's not causing a lot of damage, but it's heating up the, the vaginal tissue and you just do it three times and it's like, you know, two minutes each, totally non-painful. And that's a great way to increase things for, for things like stress, urinary incontinence, as well as lubrication, especially after menopause, those kind of things are great. And then we can also do injections. We can do the regenerative injections with either PRP or stem cells or exosomes or, or any of those kind of things where we're actually injecting into um, the, the vagina, like into the, the kind of the G-spot area or other areas, but the G-spot, clitoris are kind of the most common areas, but you know, we can really inject almost anything that we want to, depending on, you know, whatever the the concern is. So the O shot and the P shot that can be PRP or stem cells or exosomes. So classically the O shot and the P shot were, which were um, kind of invented by uh, Charles Runnels. Those were, those were done with PRP and he has a trademark on those names. Um, So, so if we're using something else or we haven't paid the trademark, then we call it something else, but that's just, you know, people know those names by, just because he was the first person to kind of come out with those. Um, but that's what the, yeah, the O shot was PRP. When we start adding stem cells or exosomes, you know, we can call it something else, stem cell, I don't know, optimization shot or something. Okay. And does it hurt? Um, it's not supposed to, is the short answer. Uh, okay. we, use, we, we, we use topical numbing cream, which actually works, works really well. Sometimes there's still a little bit of burning just because the, the PRP itself can sometimes be a little stingy, but it doesn't hurt for very long. It's never more than five minutes. So I always tell my patients, you know, if it, if it burns, which it doesn't always, but sometimes it does, it'll absolutely be gone within five minutes. So it's, it's pretty brief. Okay. Cause I'm sure it's most now. people are wondering that. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to put you on the spot like this, but if you had to pick one treatment or injection, what would it be for yourself or for, for anyone, if they had to do only one for sexual stuff or skin or all of it. I don't oh know. my gosh. All what are you the most excited about? <laughs> that's, that's really hard. Um, maybe one that you're seeing the most systemic benefits from, I don't know. I mean, I, I tend to be a, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of the regenerative procedures because I think they're so safe that you can, and you can do them kind of fairly frequently without any real risk of like looking crazy. And you don't have like, like Botox and fillers I love, but you can go a little bit 
too far with those and you can look a little bit crazy versus mm -hmm. the, the stuff with like the stem cells or even just PRP and exosomes. Um, they help your skin look brighter and more healthy, but there's really very little to no risk of ever going too far. My right. patients never come back and say, oh my gosh, I look crazy. Um, so I guess if I had to pick one thing that would work for anyone, it would be the, those sort of regenerative injections. But, but the problem is they don't do everything. So like those procedures are not gonna give you volume. Like if you've lost volume in your cheeks, doing some stem cells injections or PRP is not really gonna give you volume. You kind of have to have filler for that or surgery or something else. And they're not gonna stop your muscles from moving. You know, you'd need Botox for that. Like there's, they all kind of do different things. So it really, you kind of have to use them together to get the very best benefits. But yeah, that's my answer, I think. Impossible question, I'm sorry. Impossible question. <laughs> That was mean. That was mean. That Sorry. was kind of mean. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Well, Dr. Amy, we want to respect your time. So just to close out with one final question for you, if you can leave our audience with one final piece of advice, something that they can start doing right away to improve any aspect of their health. I think the thing that I would really, this is, this is totally off, off topic, but not really is I would recommend sleeping. Love it. Just, just sleeping, like sleep, get your eight hours of sleep. It makes such a difference. And we know this, it, it improves everything from your skin health to your sexual health, to your just general health and happiness. And I think it's, it's under talked about because there, there's just not a lot of like things that people can sell you to sleep, although that's changing. But I think that sleeping is, is so valuable and I love it so much. I Me am, too. I'm right there with you. <laughs> yep. Who doesn't love sleep? I love it. <laughs> I mean, Sleeping Beauty, she knew what was going on. So. I know. It's a thing. Yeah. 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 Biohackers. We can learn from Disney movies. Come on. <laughs> Amazing. Great advice. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I know we could just keep learning from you for hours and hours, and we can't wait to hear you speak at the biohacking conference in just a couple of days. So everyone listening to the show, we will link to Dr. Amy's website, Instagram, definitely go follow her. Your Instagram is just fabulous. You're just oh, doing so you. many great things. I love all your hiking photos are always beautiful. <laughs> They're always off talk. topic. And I'm like, whatever, this is what I do. So <laughs> No, that's no, great. It's great to like get a sneak peek into your lifestyle because that stuff is so important. Thank you. Well, yeah. this has been so fun. Thank you so much for having me guys. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the biohacker babes podcast, head over to Apple podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support until then happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.